All right, open your Bibles to First uh, Corinthians. <laughs> just kidding. Romans. Go to Romans chapter. Can you imagine if, if I just gave up? Uh, go to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four. What? What'd you say? Something. You being rude. All right. Romans chapter four. Tonight we're gonna go through. Uh, you know, it's funny. Romans chapter four, one through twelve is a block, and I was like, oh, that'd be cool to get through one through twelve. That'd be awesome. And that is not happening. So we will be getting through. I think, five verses of those 12 tonight. So remember, while you guys are turning there, again, we're in Romans 4, a little bit of context. Oh, and that's what Caleb reminded me too. We, so I wear this, obviously, it's because we're recording into a podcast, which you can listen to um, and just follow along with on your own. So if you're new and you're like, man, I really want to catch up to this, or you leave tonight and you're like, wow, that was trash. I want to see what else he does. You can, you can find it. Um, just look on your, on your smartphone to... Uh, PVN College is the name of the podcast, PVN College. You can also go to pvnstudents.org and find the podcast. But So if you miss a week, don't, you know, never fear. You can still, you can keep up because it does, it does build, obviously, right? So Romans 4, 1 through 5 is where we'll be tonight. Remember, in Romans 1 through 3, okay, in Romans chapters 1 through 3, Paul has been showing that we are saved by faith apart from works, okay? We're saved by faith apart from works, Let's go, um, Will H. If we try to save ourselves through works, how will that go? Good. I was about to say, okay, come on, Will. Yeah, yeah, it will not go well. It will not be a good thing. It, you can't do it. It is impossible. Not only are you and I just not as good as we think we are, we're not just sinful. We are under sin. Um, there are things that, that, des- that make us want to sin that we can't even control. It's not just that you do bad things, it's that you want to do bad things and you can't get out of these bad things. And so one through three of Romans is tough. Towards the very end of Romans chapter three, Paul begins to bring in the good news now, okay? That there is salvation apart from the law, okay? And so we're just now starting, just last week even, we started this upward trajectory, Does that make sense? We started this upward move into the good news of the gospel, okay? And his good news is that it's by faith that we're saved, not by works. Because if it was by works, we would be in huge trouble, right? As Will so aptly put, right? So now we get in, and so so Paul's been saying, hey, it's by faith, not by works. So now he's gonna show this using examples from the Old Testament, okay? He's gonna show this using examples from the Old Testament. Namely, two people, Abraham and David, okay? Father Abraham, blah, 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 and King David, right, the guy. Um, Abraham and David are on like the Mount Rushmore of Israel. Does that make sense? Like all your dad, all the Israelite dads are watching like black and white cartoons of, of David beating up Philistines. Like they just love David. Like David is the guy, okay? And Abraham is kind of the founder of Judaism, it all comes from him, right? So he's gonna show us this in the text, in the Old Testament, that it is faith and not works. Does that make sense? Um, Not a trick question, Josh, okay? I'll help you, but it's not a trick question. Um, While this is happening in Romans, is there a New Testament at this time period? Good, okay, yeah, yeah. So, no, there's not. So when Paul, not a trick question, so let's keep going, Menikoff. If there's no New Testament, and Paul wants to use a book to explain the gospel, where does he have to go? 
the Old Testament, which means, so if there's no New Testament, as Josh so aptly put, and we have to use the Old Testament, as Minnikoff said, that means, Will H., true or false, you can find the gospel in the Old Testament. You absolutely can. Do not listen to people who think that, the Old Te- that we need to unhitch from the Old Testament, that the Old Testament is irrelevant, that New Testament is nice Abba Daddy God and Old Testament is boo, warrior, scary God. That's not true at all. Uh, I use this example in our Sunday school class, which you guys should totally go to, shameless plug. Um, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, behold the Lamb of God, right? If there is no Old Testament, no one knows what that means. Does that make sense? No one knows what that is. The gospel is in the Old Testament, and now Paul is going to show us this using the Old Testament. Does that make sense? And his point with these Jewish people is, you don't think we're saved by faith. I'm going to show you that it's always been this way, that the, that the boys that you look up to so heavily, they were saved by faith. So if they're saved by faith, of course you're going to be saved. Does that make sense? That's what he's going to do in Romans chapter 4. Questions on that? Questions about the Old Testament? Does that make sense to everybody? You got one? You got one? Okay, okay, okay. You give me that questioning look. All right, here we go. Um, blah, blah, blah. It's always been Judaism. All right, here we go. Um, okay, let's go. Yeah, we talked about that. All right, here we go. So Romans chapter 4, we're looking at 1 and 2. So Romans, come on, James. R- Romans chapter, we haven't even gotten it. It's heavy, I know. It's a big deal. Um, <laughs> I was like, let's start. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I got like three hours because I'm so out of it. All right, so, um, all right, let's go. Um, Scott Butel, can you read Romans 4, 1 through 2, please? So Romans 4, 1 through 2. Good. Okay, Scott, just do verse 1 one more time and then we'll talk for a minute. Good. So Scott's version has found. What does other versions have in here? Gained is another one. Anybody have anything else? So what does Abraham, it's the same thing. This word is really to discover, um, but it's asking the same thing. What does Abraham gain or discover by working in the flesh, in the Old Testament, through works? What does Abraham get, okay? In other words, where do works get Abraham? And then he goes into verse 2, okay? Then he goes into verse 2. Minnikoff, can you just read verse 2? Good. Paul's using a hypothetical here, okay? Abraham was not justified by works. Everybody knows that Abraham wasn't justified by works. But if he was justified by works, he would have something to, what's the verb in verse two? He would have something to what? To boast, does everybody have boast? Everybody have this? He would have something to boast about. And then it adds, Minikoff, just just add, read that last little tidbit at the end of verse two. But not before God. Okay, so this is this idea of, If Abraham earned his, so Paul's already starting to show why salvation by works is ridiculous, why it makes no sense. Because if Abraham was able to earn his salvation by works, then he has something to boast about in front of God. 
okay? He has something, God owes this salvation. He's earned this salvation. Let me in, you owe me this. And any idea of saying this before God, Landon England, how does that make you feel, the idea of going before God and telling God, hey, you owe me this? How does that make you feel? Not a good situation, Landon. There's there's like an ick factor maybe even a little bit going on. And that's why Paul says, but not before God. As in, you know this is, even if Abraham did earn his salvation in a way that God owed him, he wouldn't strut in there. Does that make sense? So this whole idea of earning it creates this idea of strutting into the throne room that just no one in Israel would be on board with. Um, Paul is already showing that this can't be true. No one can boast before God even if he earned it by works. But did he earn it by works, right? So remember, it's a hypothetical. Verse two is a hypothetical. Even if he earned it by works, that would mean he could boast before God and no one's gonna do that. Even if he did earn it, he wouldn't boast before God. But did he earn it? Did he earn it, question mark? James, can you read verse three to stop you? Great job, James. All right, so Paul, look at this, James. Paul decides to go where in verse three to prove his point? Go to the text, okay? Um, Paul is saying, one of my favorite, have you guys ever heard, I know, just hang in, I know I'm trying to sound like a boomer or something. You guys know who John Piper is, okay? A, a solid amount of you do. If you don't, you should. This is, he is a dog, okay? Um, I don't think he's ever been called that ever. Um, but he, uh, he says it like this. And think of it, you guys are in college. This is what I'm saying. This is why I'm doing this. So summer, not a trick question. According to verse three, which James just read that part, where does Paul go to find his evidence? To make, to make, his, to make his claim, he goes to the text. Piper has this thing where he says, show me in the text text. That is why we do this, okay? And as you guys, since you guys are in college, you guys are the, and I've told you this before, you guys are the next generation of deacons and Sunday school teachers and VBS volunteers and whatever. You guys are the next generation that's going to teach the Bible to people younger than you. So just buckle up, okay? You need to show them in the text where this is. Too many preachers will get up on Sunday mornings and they'll read the text and then they'll talk about why America is horrible, or they'll talk about why America is awesome. And then they'll yell for like 10 minutes and then they'll give an invitation. And it doesn't make it like, they're in no way showing you the text. Does that make sense? Your job as a Bible teacher, and I know you're like, Ryan, I'm never gonna be a Bible teacher. That's okay. But maybe you have someone who's gonna ask you stuff about the Bible. Your worldview should be rooted in the text, okay? Scott and I were talking about this earlier. So often I think, The stuff we learn from the Bible is really just stuff we've been told and not stuff we have seen in the text for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with being told things about the Bible. It's a good thing. A a lot of that's what I'm doing now. But you've got to see it in the text. Does that make sense? So Paul says, was Abraham saved by works or by faith? Well, let's go to the text. Which is interesting because think about how many years old Jewish tradition is at this point. Just to, Audra, just, it's okay, just guess. How old is Jewish tradition at this point? Is it a little old or is it a lot old? It's a lot old, yeah. It is ridiculous, it's thousands of years worth, my theologian, phenomenal. Thousands of years of tradition. And Paul says, 
show me in the text. Does that make sense? That's massively important. Not because grandpa said so, not because Fox News said so, or the other one or whatever, I don't care, like you pick your thing, not because preacher said so, show me in the text why you think what you think. Does that make sense? And the reason we're Bible people is not because, oh, that's what you're supposed to do, and there's your Iwana medals, oh, like, what no, not because that's what you're supposed to do, but because this is what Paul says. We are Bible people because the Bible says to be Bible people, and I can show you in the Bible where the Bible says to be Bible people. Does that make sense? Show me in the text, right? All right, so what is in the text? James, you did such a great job with that first part. Um, just read all of verse three now of Romans four. <laughs> all right, here, just, here we go. So um, this is quoting from Genesis 15, 6, okay? This is from Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, where God comes to Abram and tells, or Abraham, you're, you're cool, and tells him he's gonna be the father of many nations. He, the, the stars in the sky, the sands of the earth, those are gonna be your descendants, that whole deal. It's okay if you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. It's a promise that God has made to Abraham. And Abraham believes God. That's the context of Genesis 15, 6. Does that make sense? All right, here we go. Um, James, uh, yeah, go three one more time. So James's version has counted to him. What does everybody, what does other people have? Credited, reckoned, anybody? Okay, no KJV, all right, so, which is fine. So counted, what did you say, credited? Yeah, okay, good, this is all the same thing. All right, here we go. This word for reckoned or credited or counted is used 11 times just in Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four is only like 25 verses. So almost half of Romans chapter four has to do with this idea of righteousness being credited to us or reckoned to us. Does that make sense? You with me? Man, you guys are so, you guys are the best. This is my favorite like thing ever. Um, here's what this means. This idea of reckoned, credited, whatever. It means to be credited into your account. It was not there before, now it is given to you. That's this idea of reckoned, credited, counted. Does that make sense? You didn't have it. College students, checking account, amen? You didn't have it. And now, <laughs> you have it. Does that make sense? That is what happens to you and me when it comes to salvation, according to Paul. Okay? Um, Minikoff, if you don't have any money in your, just, and don't be like, whatever. If you don't have any money in your checking account, can you spend any money? No. no. Right. Okay, good. Good. Um, if you don't, there is no righteousness in ourselves. It is given to us. It is, if you really want to be theological, it's what's called an alien righteousness. There's no flying saucers. It's not like that. It's just, it's not yours. Does that make sense? It comes from someone else into your account, okay? Um, Alexa, do you remember this? What does righteousness mean? Good. Yeah, yeah. Being counted as right before God. Does that make sense? In the court of law before God, you are declared innocent, you're declared good, you are set right before God. That is your righteousness, okay? Being set right before God is a gift from God to you. That's Romans 4.3. But then we get into this more, okay? 
through faith, through his faith, okay, according to verse three, Abraham believed God, we're gonna talk about that in a second, and it was counted to him as righteousness, okay? Abraham believed God, and it was as if he had obeyed every piece of the law his whole life. He hasn't. He's, he's pretty awful, actually. Um, but Abraham believes God, and it is counted as if he has obeyed his whole life. Does that make sense? That's what's going on here. Um, wicked Abraham, through faith, is seen by God as if he's obeyed the entire law. That's what it means to be counted, to be counted righteous. You're not righteous, but you are counted righteous before God, okay? All right, here we go. Uh, James, just read three until I stop you. Right there. Abraham believed God. Does anybody have in God in that verse? Is it just believed God? Okay, this is also Genesis 15, 6. Notice though, it says Abraham believed God. Not that he believed in God. Now he does, be, do, like he does believe in God, but that's not what this verse is saying, okay? Um, this statement in Genesis 15 is, in, is not in response to God's existence, believing in God. It's in response to God's promise. I'll say it again. This statement is not in response to God's existence. It's in response to God's promise. Abraham doesn't see God existing and say, I believe in you, though he does. He hears God's promise and he says, I believe that promise. Abraham believed God. Here's why this is, so, okay, whatever, who cares? Here's why this is important. Because you can believe in God, that God exists, but all the while, you are still trying to save yourself. Does that make sense? That's not what Abraham is doing. You can believe in God, but all the while, you don't believe God's promises, so you're trying to save yourself. That is not, that's theism. That's not Christianity. Does that make sense? Um, you can justify, you, you believe in God, but you justify your life based on your church attendance. You believe in God, but you justify your life based on the fact that you only watched porn twice this week. You believe in God, but you base your life on the fact that you spend your spring breaks going on mission trips. Thank you very much, right? Sometimes even to other countries. Wow. Like, okay, right? So you believe in God, but you're not actually trusting in any of his promises. Does that make sense? Um, that's not how God saves you. God saves those who trust him. For example, for example, let's say while you're going on one of these mission, which is it's not a bad thing, but let's say while you're going on one of these mission trips, this is the bad part. While you're going on one of these mission trips, you are sleeping around, which happens, believe it or not, while you're on these mission trips. So you believe in God, which is why you're on this mission trip, but you don't believe God when he says, my design for sex is what's best for you. Do you see the difference? You believe in God, which is why you're on the mission trip, but you don't believe God when he says, my promise to you is that my design for sex is better than your design for sex. But you don't believe, you see what I'm saying? Um, a different example. Story time. This past weekend, we had our Valentine's banquet for our, I'm the youth and college pastor here. Um, and 
we have a banquet once a year that raises funds for um, trips for our student ministry, okay? And we had like over 200 people attend, and we had 50 students working it, and if anything goes wrong, they all turn and look at who? Me, right? So my wife, wonderful Kristen that she is, came to help uh, at the Valentine's banquet. And she, I can't remember, I can't even remember. She asked me a question, she said something to me, and I, there's just all this, and I snapped on her, right? I just, I just got, I just got angry, and I just, and I said something that just, I should not have said. It was ridiculous. It was so dumb. And we just kind of pushed through because she's a trooper and we finished the night out and the night went super well. Um, and I went home and that was Sunday night. Monday morning, kid you not, I'm driving into the office listening to a sermon on this text about believing in God and trusting in God. And, and you could, you know, you just, the Holy Spirit was like, you need to apologize to your wife. That was not okay. And immediately, bro, I, we raised $6,000 at our Valentine's bank. I'm not trying to, whatever. We raised $6,000 in our, well, I was in that moment. We raised $6,000 in our Valentine's banquet to help kids go to trips to learn about Jesus. Like, I got 200 people looking to me. Like, I think I'm good. I don't think I have to apologize to my wife. Like, I've done my Christian work, you see. I believe in God, which is why we have the Valentine's banquet. But I don't believe God when he says, you gotta trust my design for marriage. You need to apologize to your wife. Do you see the difference? Abraham believed God. My design is what's best for you. My plan is what's best for you. Do you see the difference? And I did apologize to her, by the way, and we're, we're fine, it's great. Well, get, just get ready, you're gonna do that a lot when you get married, um, and that's okay. That's part of marriage. Um, oh, we gotta talk about that. All right, anyway, so. Um, Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I believe in God. We have the Valentine's banquet, but do I believe God when he says Christians need to admit when they're wrong, especially to their spouses? Abraham is not saved because he believes in God. Abraham is saved because he trusts God's promises, and that trust is counted to him as obedience to the law, as if he has obeyed every piece of the law. It is counted to him as righteousness. Does that make sense? Do you, do you follow that? Um, what does Jesus say? Depart, church kids, depart from me for I never, I never knew you. It is this knowledge that trusts God's ways. That's what saves people, you see. Um, now that trust results in obedience. You better believe it. And we've talked about this. Paul says, Christians love the law more than anybody loves. Christians are the only ones who can actually see the law, the law the way it's supposed to be seen. Of course we still follow the law. But li listen to Tim Keller here. I didn't even talk about the book, sorry. Listen to Tim Keller here on page 98. He says this. You can have lots of, it's not very long, you can have lots and lots of strong faith that God exists, that he is loving, that he is holy, you can believe that the Bible is God's holy word. You can show great reverence for God, yet all the while you are seeking to be your own savior by trusting in your own performance and religion and morality. So this is the disconnect that Paul is trying to get into. You can believe in God all the while you're actually trying to save yourself. That's why so many people in church are jerks because they believe in God 
but they're trying to save themselves by their works. And when you call out someone who's trying to save themselves on their works, get ready for that wrath because you're coming after their God because their God is their works. You see what I mean? Um, It is totally possible to believe in God's existence and trust in your own performance. It is totally possible to believe in God's existence and trust in your own performance. That is not the gospel, right? So that's Romans 4, 1 through 3. Does that make sense? Pause. Questions on, these, on this? We'll get into 4 and 5 in a second, and it's not as long. Um, I'm trying to get you guys out of here early because we cooked you all last week a little bit, I think. You guys did good, though. Questions here? Man, see, Will, you went up with the hat thing, and I was like, but you know, question. Yes, Sam, go. Yeah, no, I think it can. Uh, I have a book on my shelf I've told you all called The Unsaved Christian. Um, and again, if you believe, if you trust in God's promises, you believe in God. Like it goes together, right? Um, but yeah, I, I do think so, Sam. I think this is, you know, Peter says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Well, he wrote that in a letter. So it's totally possible to be reading Peter's letter and to not be in the faith because he's telling you in the letter, hey, check yourself, trust yourself, right? So anyway, it's a way to help us, you know, it's a way to help us see like where are we in this sanctification road, right? It's a good question. Others? Thoughts here? Okay, everybody good? Still friends? Cool? Okay, um, here we go, four and five, four and five, and then we'll be done. Um, let's go, hey, Josh, can you read, just, yeah, go four and five. Good. Josh, just read four. Good. Okay. Four is what it looks like if you don't believe five. Does that make sense? Verse four is what happens when you don't believe in five. Verse five is all about the one who doesn't try to save himself by works. Verse four is about the dude who works. Okay? So just know that going in. Um, Verse four is working. Okay? Verse four is working for yourself. Minikoff, read four one more time and and get this in your head. Four is about working to save yourself. Go ahead. Good. You don't believe that God justifies you. You believe that you do. Okay? That's verse four. You don't believe that God justifies you. You may go to church. You may, you may work in church. That's probably why you do work in church because you're trying to save yourself, right? Look at, at the end of verse four. Um, Natalie, can you just read the back half of four? Yeah, 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 perfect. His wages are not counted as gift. Land in England, what does that mean? But as his due, what does that mean? Yeah, like, like you owe this to me. Does that make sense? You're paid for what you've done. It's not a gift, right? Um, that's, this is verse one and two, right? If Abraham had earned it, God would owe it, 
right? That's verse four again. Um, God, according to verse four, um, God who saves you is the God who owes you, okay? Which really means that God's not the one who saves you. Who saves you? You save you, right? That's where this theology comes from, okay? Paul is saying, if you are verse four, if you keep trying to justify your identity based on how you have earned it, you don't really believe in God at all, okay? That's the, that's the trick. Earlier, you know, I'm saying, if you believe in God but don't believe in his promises, blah, blah, if you don't believe in his promises, I'm not sure that you really believe in him. Does that make sense? You don't believe in his strength. You don't believe in, anyway. Listen to Keller one more time on page 99, and then we'll talk for a second. Um, here we go. A works identity, verse four, a works identity misses the glorious release of the gospel. Let's pause there for a second. There's more to that quote. A works identity misses the glorious release of the gospel. Why is the gospel good news for verse four? Why is, verse, why is the gospel a glorious release, Alexa, according to, or compared to verse four? Give my tambourine out. That was good. That was so good. Listen to what he says. A works identity misses the glorious release of the gospel. These false, so he's talking about verse four. These false understandings. Listen to what, think about what Alexa just said. These false understandings, the understanding that you have to work your way in. These false understandings will lead to insecurity, anxiety, a lack of assurance, possible spiritual pride, touchiness when criticized, and a devastation in light of any moral failure. Matt Chandler, uh, you guys know Matt Chandler? Okay, if you don't, you should. The man is also a dog, uh, and he is on YouTube. Um, okay, Matt Chandler, I don't know. I know I sound like I'm 60 when I say that. Um, Matt Chandler, a million years ago, got cancer, like stage four, for brain cancer was not a good situation. And like in some of his older sermons, he's bald when he's because he's in chemo. And he tells this story. So think about verse four in works salvation, right? He tells this story about how when he was undergoing chemo, his wife, and he means it in a good natured way, his wife would get so mad at him because all he would do all day is have his headphones in and listen to worship music all day during his chemo, not talk to anybody. And she was like, you have got to, talked to me and stuff, and he said, he said, while I was listening to that music, all I was doing was I was preparing to meet him. I was preparing to meet God and preparing to say at the judgment, don't look at me, look at him. Don't look at me, look at him. Who's him? Do you see that? That's the antidote to verse four, okay? Matt Chandler knew. I believe he's how you save people, 
not anything I've done. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Um, Tim Keller talks about, we're going to get real depressed for like two seconds, but the gospel will get us out. Keller talks about holding people's hands as they die. And more often than not, all they want to talk about is things that they wish they had done while they were alive. Relationships they wish they had fixed, right? Um, Things they wish they had stood up and said. Or times they wish they had kept their mouth shut. And he's like, it's like, it's like being out at sea and watching a lighthouse just slowly go out. You've got to understand that whether it's tomorrow or 65 years from now, there are going to be things on your deathbed that you're going to wish you had done differently. And if your hope is in you, you how miserable will you be? But if your hope is in, don't look to me, look to him. Do you see the difference? Do you see the release that that creates? How, how unburdened you can be in that situation? Um, uh, now listen, I'm not, don't hear something I'm not saying. I 100% agree and believe that there are clinical reasons and chemical imbalances that can lead to depression, anxiety, insecurity. Jackie Hill Perry, if you guys know, she has a sweatshirt that says Jesus and therapy. So cool. She's in my seminary class, by the way, this semester. It's wild. I was like, oh my gosh, sure. She like, we were going, we passing, this is, has nothing to do with what, um, but I passed her in the hallway and she goes, excuse me. And I was like, it's cool. And I kept walking. I was like, <laughs> like, it was wild. Um, okay. But listen, so clinical anxiety, depression, insecurity, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Listen, think about what Keller just said though. I wonder if part, part of your looming constant anxiety is not rooted in medical diagnosis, but in a misunderstanding of the gospel of Jesus. If some of your looming anxiety, some of your looming insecurity, some of your looming I'm not good enoughness is not rooted in a medical diagnosis, but in a misunderstanding of the gospel of Jesus. In other words, you're more connected to verse four than you think you are, you see. Does that make sense? Just something to chew on, right? Uh, Gentleman Lowly says, it takes a lot of sermons and a lot of suffering to get to the point where you finally begin to see how much God really does love you. That just takes time, right? Uh, you know, I've used this example before, but like when I, do, when I do weddings for couples, you know, they're married. They are married as soon as the ceremony is done. And they will be just as married 50 years from now if they stay married as they were in that moment. But that truth, you're married. That takes decades to unfold. Does that make sense? Jesus loves you. You don't have to earn it. You know that. That truth takes decades to unfold. And the news just continues to get better. That's Christianity. Does that make sense? That's verse five. Um, Think about what Keller said, right? Trying to earn it isn't just wrong. Oh, it's wrong or bad. That's not just bad theology. It destroys your soul, right? It leads to this insecurity and anxiety. Um, Could you be like these people in Romans 4 who believe in God, but when it comes to his way of salvation, your heart says, I don't believe that. It's up to me. That's verse 4 right? But then we get the good news of verse 5. Summer, can you read verse 5? Then we'll be done. 
Just read the first kind of section right there, Summer. Right there. And to the one who does not work. This doesn't mean you do whatever you want. I'm a Christian, so I don't have to obey anymore. To the one who does not obey, that's not what this means. It means that your works are not the basis of your identity anymore. Does that make sense to the one who does not work? This is wild. In Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. Okay, church kids, Sunday school, golden record classic, right? You got the younger brother and the older brother, okay? Tell me, church kids, when we meet the older brother, what is he doing? Tell me. He's working. Spoiler alert, the old, this is, it's a story, right? Jesus is telling a story. These aren't real people, which means Jesus could, in the story, he could be making them do whatever he wants them to do. And he makes the older brother do what? He's working because that is who he is. Do you see? That is who he is. This is, um, and he says to God, the, to, to the Father, who is God, I have worked for you all these years and you never let me have a party with my friends. It's all based on performance. I worked for you. You owe me this party and you're not giving. This is why we get mad at God when things go wrong and we're good kids. I've been a good kid. What are you doing? Do you see? It, you, owe, you owe me. That is what that is. You owe me. It's all based on performance. Keller says, a Christian is not one who stops working but one who stops working to be saved. See the difference? A Christian is not one who stops working. We still obey the law. A Christian is not one who stops working, but one who stops working to be saved. That's Christianity, right? Okay, Summer, we're gonna go a piece at a time. So read what we already read and then just read the next little thing till I stop you, I guess. Good. But believes in, okay, so remember earlier I said, oh, it's believes, it's not believes in. It's the same word as in three. This word means to trust. That's what this word means. It's not some ethereal, I believe in God, but it means to trust, okay? Does that make sense? To the one who does not work, but trusts in him, okay? Um, All right, now some are just read five all together. Good. Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. This is proof that salvation is a gift of God and not by works. What kind of person is justified in verse five? Tell me. According to verse five, he justifies what kind of person? Tell me over there. The good, the ungodly. When you are counted righteous, you are still in fact wicked. Does that make sense? Him who justifies the ungodly. You are ungodly and you are justified at the same time. So it can't be based on works because you're wicked. Does that make sense? Um, He says it right there. He justifies, so you're in the ungodly. This is also you and me. It's interesting in Abraham's story, in in chapter 15, you have Abraham being counted righteous. Do you know what happens in the next two chapters? Abraham sleeps with Hagar, which is not what God has told him to do, right? And they have Ishmael, and this whole disaster begins to happen, right? He is counted righteous through his trust, and his obedience is still in a lot of ways a disaster, 
right? Um, you are ungodly and you are counted as righteous. The two are true at the exact same time. Um, by running to God for salvation, that faith is counted towards you as if you've spent your whole life obeying the law. You are counted right with him. That obedience is given to you. That righteousness is given to you. But here's the last part of this. It can't be a fake obedience. Like if Will has never obeyed and God treats him as if he has obeyed, that's, that's only skin deep because there's no real obedience. Does that make sense? Do you see that? There's no real obedience. God can't just pretend that you have, that's what it is. He's just pretending that you've obeyed and that's not real justice. So if it's not fake obedience and it's not your obedience, this obedience that is credited to you, where does it come from? Who does it come from? This is Jesus' obedience. Does that make sense? Um, why can't Jesus just teleport down to earth, die on the cross over a weekend, and then go back home? Why does he live so long on earth? Because his life is your life. Does that make sense? All his obedience, all, all his human flesh obedience for those 30 or 33 years is now credited. That's the money that gets credited to your account, you see. Um, we'll close here. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5, and then we'll be done. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. So think about Jesus' obedience being credited to your account, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Minnikoff, are you there? All right, so, all right, think about this again, and then Minnikoff, go ahead and read 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Good. You guys, if you ever heard, if you ever seen on a t-shirt, Christian t-shirts, like the great exchange, this is this verse. Um, Natalie, just read 21 one more time. Our sins are given to Jesus and his righteousness is given to us. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. That's the great exchange, right? That's Jesus' obedience. Will can't just get, he can't get in on God pretending that it was okay. There has to be real obedience or God isn't just, but Will can't obey. So God takes Jesus' obedience and credits it to Will's account through faith. That's the conduit through trust in his promises. This righteousness that we get is not some ethereal, you can't see it, imaginary righteousness. It is a real righteousness done by a real human given to you. Salvation is by works. It's just not your works. Does that make sense? It is by works, not your works though, because you can't do it. Someone has to obey the law for you. And that great exchange is the gospel. Does that make sense? You have obeyed. God looks upon you as if you have obeyed because you have. Because his obedience has been given to you. It is yours, you see. Um, it's Jesus' obedience, Jesus' perfect standing. Let me close real quick with a quote from Gentle and Lowly and then we'll be done. Um, 
This is just on how long this takes for you to understand. To be justified is to be declared righteous in the sight of God, fully legally exonerated in the divine court based entirely on what another, Jesus, has done in our place. Here we go. But our hearts are wired in such a way that we constantly drift from a moment-by-moment belief in this full exoneration. Our hearts are wired in such a way that we constantly drift from a moment-by-moment belief in this full exoneration. It is the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God not once we begin to get our act together, but once we collapse into the honest acknowledgement that we never will. Let me read that one more time. It is the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God not once we begin to get our act together, but once we collapse into the honest fact that we never will. This takes time for you to understand. But no time like the present to start, right? Romans 4 verse 5 is our reality, okay? And it takes time. Again, you got to work this in, right? you got to work this in. That's what being gospel people is. That's why it's so important to be in church as often as you can and to come on Thursday nights or whatever as often as you can, right? Because you're not going to remember this tomorrow or you'll remember it, but you won't. You see what I'm saying? Internalize it. Yeah, good, Devin. Anyway, good job.